Take your Bibles, won't you please, turn with me this morning to the book of John, John chapter 9. I will begin to read in verse number 1 for a few moments. I want to speak to you on this subject. Uh, opening blinded eyes. Opening blinded eyes. And we'll begin to read in verse number 1 this morning. I invite you to stand today, all those that can, and are able, in honor, and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in John chapter 9. Begin to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said these things... He spat on the ground, he made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went, he washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes open? And he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. Now look at verse number 25. And he answered and said, Whether he, speaking of Jesus, is a sinner or or not, I do not know, but one thing I know, though I was blind, now I see. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, God, that your precious Holy Spirit would challenge hearts and lives today. Father, I pray for the one may be here today who's never heard the gospel, one who's going to listen in a rebroadcast through our, our internet ministry. They've never heard the saving gospel of Jesus Christ, and thereby God had the, the mud of the gospel applied to their eyes. God, I pray that your precious Holy Spirit will convict them of their sin, their need for Jesus, and they'll turn and trust Christ to be Lord of their life. But God, I want to pray also for one who may be here today. But God, they've had mud on their eyes for 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe 30 years or more. They've heard the gospel, but they've never gone and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I pray, Lord, before they cross a place that they can never come back from. God, a, a place where they begin, they harden their heart. You harden their heart because they refuse to respond to the gospel. God, I pray they'll choose in this place today to turn from their sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. God, again, I pray you'll strip apathy and indifference away from the church. Make us bold, broken, caring in these days to the point of action. I simply pray, God, whatever it is you will to do in hearts and lives today during this invitation, God, it'll be done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. It's been a couple of weeks since we were in the book of John. Uh, remember John chapter 8, we preached a message about spiritual ancestry and how Jesus was speaking with the Jews. And they were so proud of their uh, physical ancestry and they thought that that made them right with God just because they were Jews and they were descendants of Abraham but he reminded them of what he reminded Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 7 you must be born 
again. There's only two families. There's God's family and the devil's family. In verse number 58 of John chapter 8, well, he really got them stirred up because as they began, where they were bragging that they were from Abraham, verse 58, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And he declared right then that he was God in human flesh. I am. He always was. He always is. And praise God, he always will be. Well, they didn't receive that. They didn't have Pastor Appreciation Day for Jesus at that moment. As a matter of fact, look at your Bibles in verse number 59. They took up stones to throw at him. Uh, and, and it wasn't, you know, they weren't playing a rock ball. They were trying to kill him. They were tired of hearing the Word of God that convicted them of their lostness and their need for Jesus Christ. But Jesus, being the omnipotent, sovereign one, he hid himself, verse 59 says, he went out of the temple, and going through the midst of the temple, he so passed by. And that brings us to our text today. Uh, we meet an individual, a man who's been blind from his birth. One man's life, physically and spiritually, is going to be changed forever as Jesus opens blinded eyes. I want you to notice four things about this great text today. Number one, I want you to notice first this morning, a searching Savior. A searching Savior. Look what the Bible says again in John chapter 9 and verse 1. The Bible says, now as Jesus passed by. He's passing by right out of verse number 59. It's in, it's in the same walk. He's just left the place where the Pharisees and the Sadducees have picked up rocks to stone him and kill him. And he passes by and beholds a man uh, who, was, who was blind from birth. Uh, he, he was, he was, he was he'd been rejected. He had been mocked and made fun of. Certainly they probably laughed and were heckling him as he spoke great truth. But friend, I want you to notice from this this morning, you don't see any church hurt in Jesus. He's still passing by. He had been mocked and rejected, but he didn't do what most church members do in the South, and that's just quit the church when things don't go their way. He didn't say he had lost faith in common man because he never had faith in man. He had faith in God. And so he just continues to live on mission. Jesus was always on mission. Luke 19 and verse 10, he says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Romans 3.23 says, That's everybody. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so there was, there was nothing that could happen inside the church or in a relationship or from somebody else that could deter him from being faithful to what God has called him to do. And friend, I'm telling you, if you're one of these individuals that just wear, it wears your feelings on your sleeves, you, and, and you're, you're never going to make it to the very end. You're not going to finish well for God. If you've ever been a part of a church for more than two days, somebody stepped on your toes. And if you haven't, friend, just stick around and it's going to happen. Because the devil will make sure that it will. But if that's all it does to knock you out of service, you're never going to finish well for Christ. Jesus was committed to do the will of him who sent him. And so as he passed by, notice, he saw. He's seeking that which is lost. And now he sees that which is lost. He wasn't so consumed in what had just happened to him. He wasn't trying to call all these friends and say, you're never going to believe just what happened to me at church. They made fun of me. They rejected me. No, friend, he's, he is faithfully worshiping God who sent him through obedience to what God called him to do. And there are lost and dying people that are ever around us. We've got to live like Jesus, friend, and go out seeking those that we can share the gospel with. But we've got to get our eyes off ourselves and get them on the fields that are white 
unto harvest. John chapter 4, verses 34 through 35, Jesus said that very thing. Remember as he met with the woman at the well? And he began to speak to her. Now listen, I want to remind you, friend, he didn't really get down to brass tacks until he started talking about her sin. We live in a day where a lot of the churches don't want to talk about sin. Friend, Jesus, he really didn't need to start plowing ground with her until he took it right to her doorstep and talked about all the men that she had been living with. Well, remember, he, he led her to himself. She brought a bucket to the well, but she took the well away with her in her heart. And the disciples had gone away for food. And they came back and says, hey, uh, we've got food to eat. In verse number 32 of John chapter 4, Jesus said, I have food which you do not know. Verse 34, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now listen, he read their hearts. He said, do not say there's still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and see the fields for they are wide unto harvest. Jesus Everywhere he went, friend, every person he saw was an opportunity for his grace and his mercy to be experienced. He was seeking for someone to share himself with. And he saw this man who was there. And you may be here today, and you, you may have come from the most dysfunctional background, and I'm sorry for that. You may have a mom or a dad who just emotionally beat you down somehow. Or maybe you've, had, you can't, you've come from a broken relationship or marriage. And you're still dealing with the, with the trauma and the heartache of all of that that happened. And you may be here today and you think that no one loves you and no one cares for you. Two things I want to share with you this morning, friend. One, God loves you. He proved it in that he sent Christ to die in your place. And two, friend, he sees you today. He sees the need that's in your heart. He knows exactly where you are. What an example for us. What an example for us today that no amount of church hurt, no amount of hardship, no amount of self-pity could keep Jesus from being faithful to what God had called him to do. Hardship doesn't deter him. He's always seeking. He's always seen. That's how we've got to live on mission in these days if we're going to make a difference. We've got to have that same attitude. Look at what Jesus says in verse number 4 of our text this morning in John chapter 9. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Friend, I'm telling you, one way or another, you're coming to a place one day where you're not going to be able to minister anymore. Be it when you draw your last breath, the opportunity and the time to share the gospel with your lost neighbor, your lost co-worker, whoever it is that you know that's lost, it's going to be over when you draw your last breath. And the opportunity to use your spiritual gift and serve within the local church. Friend, listen, our church is growing in age. And I thank God that we have younger people who are coming. But if we took the average age in our church, it'd be in the 60s. And I'm telling you, for some of you, I'm not trying to be negative Ned today. But the aches and pains you feel, they're only going to intensify. What, what, what does that mean? What you intend to do for God, you better get busy doing Because there's going to come a day where you might not have the bodily help to be able to do it. Jesus says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. John 20, 21. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. He sent Jesus to seek and to save. He's gone to heaven. The mission continues through his spiritual church. He still desires to seek and to save. Just what Ash is saying this morning, that, that we'll simply be a glove that he puts his saving hand in and shares the gospel with a lost 
and the dying world. The question to ask this morning is this. Am I daily yielding myself that Jesus might live that same life through me that he was living here in John chapter 9? We see a seeking Savior. Second, I want you to notice this morning, a sightless sinner. A sightless sinner. We're introduced to, to a man now in verse number 1 who the Bible says was blind from birth. Jesus saw a man who was blind from birth. Verse number 8 of our text says he, he was also a beggar. That's all that he could do every day was to sit and beg for help. You know, and really, this is an illustration of, of all lost people. John chapter 3 uh, and verse 3, Jesus said, Except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Except you be born again, you can't see. That means all people are born blind. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 17 through 18. Uh, the apostle Paul wrote this to the church at, at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter uh, 4, uh, verse number 17. Uh, says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in their futility of, of, of their mind. That's lost people. Now listen to what he says in verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, listen, because of the blindness of their heart. The Bible says that all lost people can't see spiritually because Ephesians 2 they're dead. They're, they're born blind. Psalm 51 and verse number 5. David said, in sin I was conceived. That doesn't mean that the process that God gave to a man and a wife is sinful, but that as his mother and his father in that natural process created him, he was born with a sin nature. All people are. And so we're born spiritually blind. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 3, the Apostle Paul says, we're born as the children of wrath. That is, we're born to experience sin unless something changes in our life because we're born with a sin nature. Jesus in Revelation chapter 3, we did an entire study just on this church, uh, probably four or five weeks uh, worth. But, but to the church of Laodicea, it was mixed of several people. It was some people who had been born again. But like every church, it had people who had attached themselves to the church body, but they had never been born again spiritually into the church body. And Jesus said of that group, I wish that you were cold and said the spiritual lukewarmness you are. Why would Jesus wish that anyone would be lost? Because, friends, you can't get saved until you first get lost. And so he wanted them to see. But in their pride, listen to what they said in verse number 17. Jesus said, because you say, I am rich... I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. But Jesus says, here's the truth. You do not know that you are wretched. You are miserable. You are poor. You are blind. And you're naked. He said, because that I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that only he can give that you might see. This man is, is, is a representation of all people who are born blind in their sin. And friend, that's everybody. And friend, I'm telling you, that's one of the hard problems with evangelism here in the South. And it's this. Everybody's born saved. Nobody's born lost in the South. And of course, we know biblically that's not true. But that's the stupid superstition that everybody believes. Because they come from a long, long line of Baptists, because their dad was a founding deacon in the church, their mom sang in the choir and always worked in the children's ministry, somehow they were born 
being spiritually right, but you're not. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we're all born with the sin nature, and because of that, Romans 6.23 says, friend, unless something happens in our life, you're going to have a head-on collision with a place called hell where the fire's never quenched and life never ends. It's a picture. It's a picture. This sightless sinner, this man is a picture of all lost people. Third, I want you to notice this morning now, a shared solution. A shared solution. So Jesus sees him. He, he begins to, to engage this individual. Uh, the Bible says in verse number 6, I, I just want to share in, in passing, you know, I could have made a fourth point and called it a stupid, uh, stupid question, uh, but uh, the Bible says in verse number 2, his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? A stupid superstition. A lot of people feel that way in the South. You know, if you'll be honest for God, Something happens to somebody, one of the things that comes to your mind, well, I wonder what they did. wonder what they did, God's judging them. Where do you find in Scripture that's always 100% guarantee? The Bible does teach that God chastises, and God can send blindness if he chose to do it, but before something someone had done wrong. But the Bible doesn't say that that's patently the way it happens every time. As a matter of fact, Jesus answered and said, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So, friend, don't be so quick when something bad happens to somebody to say, well, I wonder what they did. It may just be that God's going to do something in their life, Look, just, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, it wasn't Fanny Crosby's fault as an infant that the doctor put the wrong eye drops in her eyes and blinded her. But, oh, the wealth of things that God did through those blinded eyes and the, the hymns that are sitting in the rack in the hymn book this morning. And she said she wouldn't have traded her blindness for anything so that the first person she sees one day will be the Lord Jesus Christ. So that don't, don't get your theology from God's word and not silly superstition. So notice now, though, a shared solution. So Jesus sees this man. He has this need he can't see. And the Bible says in verse number 6, that when he had said these things about that he needed to be working for the time was going to be when he couldn't work, that he was the light of the world, when he said these things, he spat on the ground and he made clay with the saliva. And then he took the clay and he applied it to his eyes. And then he told him something that he needed to do. The World Health Organization lists blindness in five different categories, one being the least, five being uh, the most severe. Uh, one is you have partial ability to see light. You've got somewhere between 2070 vision and 2200 vision. Past 2200 vision, that moves you into category two. Category five is no perception of light whatsoever. And so there's different categories of how much light someone can see that determines, according to the World Health Organization, where they are. But friend, I want you to know something. That the Bible doesn't say in verse number one what category this man had. It just says he was blind. So we don't know if he was category one, two, three, four, or five. But notice what happens. Jesus puts, he puts clay on his eyes. He spits on the ground and he makes clay and puts it on his eyes. Friend, listen, he's sure enough a level five now. He can't see anything. Now there's no option for pride. Jesus is trying to help him with his need and tell him, you, you, need to, you need to receive this clay and you need to go to the pool and you need to wash. 
Well, pride could have crept in. He says, well, I'm not blind. I can see, I can see a little bit of light. Well, now he's taken to a place where he can't see anything. You see, Jesus had to get him completely blind to where he could get him to a place that he could see. Now he's a five. Well, wrongly, people try to categorize lostness. You know, well, I'm not as bad as a child. I, you know, I may be lost, but I'm not as bad as a child rapist, you know, so they're, they're, they're a five. Or I'm not a mass shooter. They're, they're a four. Friend, I want to tell you something. The Bible doesn't categorize lostness. The World Health Organization may, may, may categorize blindness, but in the eyes of God, lostness is lostness. For all have sinned. That doesn't mean if you've just told one lie, white lie or you've never told anything. My friend, you are born with a sin nature, and therefore you're a sinner before a holy God. There's no, there's no categories. And people try to wrongly do that. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it's the Holy Spirit of God, John 16 and verse 8, who, who convicts us of sin, who convicts of sin, righteousness, judgment to come. He brings us to a place, friend, that we've got to recognize, just like this man did, he's completely blind. And you're never going to be able to see spiritually, friend, until you come to a place that you realize spiritually you're blind. You're dead in trespasses and sin. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us and shows us our need. But now notice the second part of the, of the shared solution. Jesus said to him in verse number 7, he says, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now don't miss the parenthetical statement, which is translated sent. He says, go and wash in the pool that's called sent. Well, what's so important about that? Well, listen to what John chapter 3 and verse number 17 uh, has to say. John 3 and verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God did not send his Son into the world. Verse number 34 of John chapter 3. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. John chapter 5 and verse number 36. Uh, Jesus says this, But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. John chapter 7 and verse number 29. John 7 verse number 29. Jesus said this, But I know him, speaking of God the Father, for I am from him, and he sent me. John chapter 8 and verse number 18. The Bible says, I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. John chapter 8 and verse number 42. If Jesus said, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come from myself, but he sent me. John chapter 20 and verse 21. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. Friend, I want to tell you, this pool this morning, it represents the precious Lord Jesus Christ that was sent to save us from our sins. It represents his saving work at Calvary. Now, don't you notice he, he, he applied the mud. Stay with me. He didn't tell him, go get a hot rag and wipe it off. He didn't say, go find a, a bucket of water. He said, there's one place you've got to go, and it's the pool that's called sin. Friend, there's no other place that you can go to wash your sins away than the precious blood 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Sing it. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that washes white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He, he put the mud to his eyes, friend, and he told him the one place that he could go was the pool called sin. He shared the one solution for man's blindness because that's the only one. Friend, the Bible shares only one solution for our spiritual blindness because Jesus is that only solution. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Peter, filled with the Spirit, said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name given under heaven whereby you must be saved than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's it. And the world today wants to look in every direction for every other solution. But friend, I'm telling you, 2,000 years later, the cure for all the problems in the world, it's not a new president, it's not a new senate, it's not a new congress, it's not a new nation, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Christ. And I know people have grown hardened to that, people have grown bitter toward that, and I realize there may be people sitting under the sound of my voice this morning. You can't even see spiritually because you've got years worth of mud applied to your eyes. But I'm telling you, the only place you're going to get it washed off is in a pool where Jesus died and bled, friend, that he might wash your sins away. It's the only place. A shared solution. Now, fourth, I want you to notice a seen saint. A seen saint. Well, now he has a choice. Here he stands with mud on his eyes. Blinder than he's ever been because he surely can't see anything. No matter what he's category one, two, three, or four, he's surely a five now. No light can get to his eyes whatsoever. And Jesus tells him what he has to do. He says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. He says, that's me. Go and wash in me. And so he's got a choice, two choices. Sit with mud on his eyes or go and do what Jesus said. I want you to listen to me this morning. You can go from church to church. You can buy a Bible after a new Bible. You can buy a new book after a new book. But the Bible says there's only one way that you'll ever be able to see spiritually, friend, and that is to turn from your sin and go to Jesus Christ in saving faith. You may resent that. You can mock that. But it's the one solution God has given for the blindness of men's hearts. And you've got a choice today. We're going to have an invitation in just a little bit. If you've come here this morning, first time you've ever heard the gospel, the mud is being applied to your eyes right now. I'm sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with you, that you must repent, Luke 13, 3, from all your sin and trust Jesus to be Lord of your life, believing that he bled and died at a place called Calvary, was laid in the tomb, stayed there three days, and gloriously arose from the grave. And he wants to save you from your sin today. But you've got to choose to turn and receive him to be Lord of your life. You're going to have a choice. We're not asking you to join the church. We're not asking you to write a check. We're not asking you to join Sunday school class. I'm asking you to turn from sin and trust Christ to be Lord of your life. But I can't choose it for you. Just like this man had to choose. To do nothing leaves your soul exactly the same. If this man had stayed there, he'd still be blind until he died. He'd still be blind until he died. But look what the Bible says in verse number 7. Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went. He humbled himself in faith and he, he went. 
and he washed, and he came back seeing. It was the power of God that did it in his life. He obeyed the gospel of what Jesus had told him to do. That was good news. He says, you, you were born this way, but you've got a choice. You don't have to stay that way. You can go and you can wash, and you're going to have a brand new opportunity and lease on life physically. One of the greatest problems in the church here in the South Range, we have, we have people coming in and out each week, singing, praying, attending small groups. Again, mud on their eyes. Mud on their eyes. They've heard about the pool. They know it's there. And each week, listen, each week we just keep putting more mud on people's eyes. Keep putting more mud on people. Neighbors that show no concern for the things of God. Oh, they've got church hurt or they something happened. Whatever, one excuse is as good as the other. And we just keep putting mud on their eyes. Keep putting mud on their eyes. Meanwhile, there's people in other countries never heard the name of Christ. People in other parts of the country never heard the name of Christ. But here in the South, we just keep putting mud on people's eyes. And they know where the pool's at. And I'm telling you, friend, no one's not enough. You've got to go, and you've got to wash in the blood of Jesus. And this man, the Bible says, he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Came back seeing. Jesus changed his life. But friend, I want you to understand, this is only a picture of the greater need that this man had. This man spiritually wasn't saved because he did this. He's just able to see physically now. He still needs an inner cleansing that only Jesus can give. Well, he came, he went. The Bible says in verse number 7, he washed. He came back seen. In verse number 8, look what the Bible says. Therefore, his neighbors and those who had previously, uh, who had knew that he had been blind, said, is this not he who sat and begged? And, and I don't want to get off text because I want to finish strong on this, but I just want to say, friend, listen. Somebody had to lead him to the pool. He couldn't see. How did he get there? Somebody had to care enough, friend, to inconvenience themselves from their busy life and their busy schedule, step away from their precious family time, and to lead the man to the place that he could find the need that he had. We're around people every day, friend, that are blind in their sin, and they need somebody to lead them to a pool called Jesus where they can be cleansed from their sin. And the reason people don't do that is this, friend. They don't care. Burdened over so many things that have no eternal significance whatsoever. But somebody took the time to lead this man to the place that he could be able to see. I want to ask you a question. And I, and I do this just simply to challenge you in love. Would you be honest with me? How many people did you lead to Jesus last year that they might go and wash? You can't save them, friend. But how many people did you personally try to take by the hand to lead to a pool called scent that they might be able to see spiritually? Somebody took this man, and his life was changed because of it. Well, the Pharisees, the cold water committee, they were so upset. And this man, all he needed to do was to share the truth. There were so many things he didn't know. But look at verse number 25. They're, they're trying, to, uh, trying to accuse Jesus of being a sinner because this is on the Sabbath. And he says in verse number 25, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. Friend, he doesn't know. Listen, he doesn't right now know Jesus from a barn cat. He couldn't see. 
All he could do was hear his voice. He didn't know anything except he had faith in what was being shared was the Word of God. He only knew what he knew. He says, all I know is this. I was blind, but now I see. He shared all that he knew to share. Now, notice what happens in verse number 35. Turn there in your text. This is important. Jesus heard that they cast him out, and they did. This man, he wouldn't turn. He just kept saying, look, I don't know what y'all are so worked up over and what the big tizzy is. I'm just telling you, this guy put mud on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam. Somebody led me down there. I went, I washed, and now I can see. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal was, friend, it went contrary to their doctrine. And their doctrine was this. Nobody was going to sit on the throne of their heart but them. They would not surrender their life to Christ's lordship. So they cast this fellow out. They threw him out. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And now this man that could now see, he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? I mean, he's just so open and willing. He, he, he says, I can see now. I'm ready for a new life on, in any way. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking to you. Now listen. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He surrendered his life to his lordship. And he was saved. And listen. That was the greater need. You may be sitting here this morning and say, well, man, well, what's the greatest miracle in this text? It's not that the man was physically able to see, but it's now he can spiritually see. Because, friend, even if he had been able to see physically and not receive Christ here as Lord, then he would have fallen into hell and been able to see it all the way till he hit the flames. It doesn't matter what... And I want to say this again in, in the tenderest, most loving way. We spend a lot of time on Wednesday nights trying to pray safe people out of heaven instead of sinners out of hell. Everybody's still going to die. And listen, we need to pray. If I'm sick, put me on every prayer list you can find and pray for me. I want it. But I'm telling you, friend, the greater need is always spiritual. And God saved this man because he turned to Christ and received him. Now notice what the Pharisees and Sadducees said. Now listen. So Jesus said, for judgment... I have come into this world, verse 39, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. What in the world does he mean by that? For judgment I've come into this world that those who do not see may be able to see, and those who see may be blind. What he's saying is this. All of those that are so spiritually superior in their mind and don't think that they need God, even though the Bible says that you are spiritually blind. They say, no, I'm not. Man, I'm a member of Greenwood Baptist Church, and I've been a member of this church all these years, and I've been a member of other churches. Man, I see just fine, thank you. Jesus says you'll be blind for all eternity because you won't admit you're blind that you will see. But Jesus says anyone who humbles themselves, don't miss this, and says, Lord, I'm blind spiritually. I can't see. He says, you'll see. What's he saying? Admit you're spiritually dead and a sinner, and friend, he'll save you and give you life and life more abundantly. You can't see till you first get blind. That's what had to happen to this man. And friends, you can't be saved until you get lost. Well, listen to the response. It was invitation time. The angels are singing just as I am. They've just started the first verse. 
And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard those words and they said to him, Are we blind also? Say, hey, don't you know who we are? We're Pharisees, man. We're, we're part of the elite Judaic religious society. Do you think we're blind? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now because you say we see, therefore your sin remains. What's he saying? He said, if you were spiritually blind, if you could admit you're spiritually blind, you'd have no sin. He says, because I'd save your soul. But because you won't admit your need, you're going to stay blind and you're going to die in your sin spiritually. You're going to die in your sin. He says, you've got to admit your need. Friend, if you're here this morning, this is the simplicity of the invitation. I want you to look up at me right now. If you've never turned from sin and trusted Christ, I don't care what has happened in your life before or what you aim to do after. There's nothing physically you can ever do to make yourself see spiritually. You must admit your blindness, that's your lostness, and your need for Christ. And trust Him and Him alone to be Lord of your life. And when you do that, friend, He'll take you to a pool that was created over 2,000 years ago at the foot of a cross at a place called Calvary. And He will wash you white as snow. You say, I, you don't know what all sin I've committed and what's happened. It doesn't matter, friend. There is not enough sin you could ever commit that the blood of Jesus won't wash you clean. But you've got to admit your lostness, your blindness. You've got to be willing to trust Jesus to be your sin substitute and allow him to wash you white as snow. You know, and you may have come here this morning blind in your sin, but you can, you can leave like this man did and say, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Sing it with me. I was blind, but now I see. Praise his holy name. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. My friend, the mud of the gospel, the good news of the gospel has been applied to your eyes today. If you've been awake and alert, I've shared with you that the Bible says all have sinned. That's you. I've shared with you, Romans 6, 23, that the Bible says the penalty for sin is a separation from God in a place called hell. But there's good news. Christ died as your sin substitute. If you'll choose to turn from your sin and trust Him to be Lord of your life, just like this man had his blindness washed away at a pool at a place called Siloam, Jesus, where you sit today, my friend, He will wash your sins away, past, present, and future, and He'll save your soul. But you've got to choose, like He did, to go and to wash. You came here this morning with many years of mud on your eyes, maybe this morning someone. Would you not spit your pride out today? Would you not go and wash? My friend, Jesus just chapters are later in John chapter 12. He's continuing to minister. And John shares that something terrible happened. Terrible happened in the life of the nation of Israel. They crossed a deadline. Many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they crossed a deadline. And the Bible says they hardened their hearts and they came to a place that they could no longer see spiritually. The Bible says, seek him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. If you realize your blindness today, don't leave here that way. While Jesus is passing by, 
won't you allow him to save your soul? Just simply choose today to tell him in a simple prayer of faith just like this. God, forgive me, a sinner. I admit my lostness. Spiritually, I'm blind. God, I want to see. I want life. I want forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. And I'm coming to Jesus today to find forgiveness and healing and hope. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. That's my prayer today. Did you pray it? Did you mean it? Friend, this man, he was bold. He didn't care who saw. He was willing to stand up in front of all the enemies of the cross and say, I was blind, but now I see. Would you not step out into one of these aisles and make your way forward this morning so we can rejoice with you what God has done in your life? Church family, remember, somebody had to take this man to the pool. He couldn't see. Who have you taken? Who are you supposed to take? Who will you take? Oh, God, speak to us and challenge us. Father, I pray as we enter this Christmas season, we'll be reminded, this is what Christmas is all about. This is why Jesus was sent. Christ, this is why you came. And God, I pray that we'll not trample under the gospel, but we'll be the hands and feet of it in these days. And many people, God, will lead to you. They've got to choose. But God, we'll lead them to, we'll lead them to the pool where they can be cleansed and washed. And pray and plead that they'll turn and trust you to be Lord of their life. Challenge our church. Speak to us. I pray your will individually be done in every heart and life. In Christ's name I pray. Let's reverently stand to our feet. Heads are bowed.